Hebrews 6. And I just wanted to thank uh, Billy. He'll be coming home today. You guys heard about the tragedy that was there, but they are believing that the Lord is going to work out miracles and wonders in the midst of that tragedy. And he is so thankful for your guys' prayers and encouragements. And um, we're looking forward to having them home. And uh, thank you so much, Tommy, for the Easter sermon that you brought. Um, we just get more and more out of it every time that we hear you talk. And we're just so blessed and thankful for what you brought, sir. And uh, John Gibson, the message he brought, um, being born again. He's like, that's where it starts. And let me tell you, just like being born in the natural, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. And uh, our master, Lord Jesus Christ, wants us to move on to maturity. Thank God for the baby years. They're so cute and cuddly, and they make messes, and you've got to be super patient with them, but they're just so cute, so it's easy to be patient with them. But you can't be a baby Christian forever. You can't just stay in there. God wants so much more. Amen? All right. I think I already said Hebrews 6, didn't I? All right, thank you. I was not feeling good at all this morning. I woke up with a massive headache, and um, I was like, well, okay. Just prayed about it, got in the Word, and probably about... Half an hour later, it's like, I'm completely fine. And um, it's just like, I am so thankful for just the, the small little trickles of healing and feeling His presence and being amongst His people, but it's just like we're just scratching the surface. I want you guys to have a heart that anticipates that the Lord is going to do great and wonderful and mighty works again in our time. The heathen and the pagan are going to see it. And either run in fear or come to him. And we want as many as we can to come and be part of the family of God. Hebrews 6, starting with verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God, the doctrine of baptisms, and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and finally, eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it's eternal, that it's going to complete and fulfill all the promises that you set forth in it. Your word will not come back void. And we thank you that it's doing a mighty work in each one of us. We bless your name. Today we're going to be kind of, I feel like I just kind of need to move quickly in this. Um, I really want to kind of touch on some things toward the end concerning um, ministry and baptism. Today we're just going to be talking about two of the baptisms. There's three of them. Um, John's baptism. Christian baptism, and then next week we're going to be discussing baptism in the Holy Spirit. So be in prayer for that, because 
Exciting times are coming. All right. It's his church, not mine. He's the head, and he does what he wants. John's baptism. So as you know, and the more I, I read about John, I know there was one Sunday I did a study on John, the more I appreciate this man, that the commendation that Jesus gave him, that he was, up until that time, there was no greater man than John, born of woman. And the least in God's kingdom right now are greater than him. Not because, it was just because of where he was born. Jesus hadn't died and he hadn't risen again from the dead. But John's ministry was so important. Jesus really couldn't come until he came preaching repentance. Turning away from your sins. Showing the evidence of that and being baptized, fully immersed in water. So that had to go on during John's time. He had to be the one that called the people back to their God, back to their Messiah. And so that's what John did during that time. You know, Jesus also said, this, like, you guys enjoyed his light for a while. And he rejoiced in that. And he was. He was a great light. And in order sometimes to be a great light, you've got to burn. And John did burn. And he had a very short, powerful ministry. But he fulfilled God's purposes during his generation. And he was very excited about that too. Because he was just a, he was a friend of the bridegroom. And... Hopefully each one of us at the end, when we come to the end, whether he comes back and we're alive, or when we meet him in the air, when uh, our bodies are resurrected, that we can be like that too, that we can say we fulfilled our purposes for what God has called us to do. So baptism, we are baptized with John's baptism. If you guys turn to Mark uh, 1, please. Mark chapter 1. Probably help if I put these on. There we go. Mark 1, 2 through 5. <clears throat> As it's written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And in all the land of Judea, all those from Jerusalem went out to him. And were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. And there are some estimates that I've heard. There might have been hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people who came to him. One man dressed in a camel tuxedo, eating crickets and wild honey. It's like he didn't need, you know, YouTube or influencers or... CNN or anyone else to promote him. The Lord God promoted him. And he didn't do it in Jerusalem. He did it out in the wilderness, out in the Jordan. I don't know if any of you guys have been to Israel before. I mean, it's, it's desolate out there. But God had his hand on his life. So the people were coming out to him. And 
let me just skip that. So he was there to prepare the children of Israel for their Messiah. And the Messiah would not come again until they were all prepared. And that's what he did. We see that during John's time, too, that it was a switch from the law and the prophets to the age of grace with Jesus. We know in John where it talks about, from Moses we received the law, but Jesus was full of grace and truth. So it was during this period where one was was ending and another was beginning. And like with all those things, like with all those things, we just got to hold on tight because most people didn't really understand what was going on. But it was a great revival and people were expecting great things. So when they came to John, there were three things that he required of them, which is repentance was the first. And a repentance, again, we talked about that months ago. Um, it is not necessarily an emotion. Falling down weeping, it can be, but it's a decision that you make. It's a commitment to the Lord. And we know that it's not something that we work up. It's something that the Lord calls us to repentance. He's the one that draws us. But we still have to make that decision ourselves. John also, when they came to him, made them confess their sins publicly. Um, I don't know about you. I do confess my sins. I think it's more important that I understand that in Christ, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I think that's so important. But um, one of the ways to kind of keep me humble, I know, sometimes is having to confess some of the stupid sins I've done. Um, and he required that of the people that came to him. Not for condemnation. These things are not for condemnation, but for our salvation. And finally, he wanted evidence of a changed life. And we know that... Um, the harlots and tax collectors were coming to him. He was baptizing them. But when the Pharisees and Sadducees were coming, he's like, brood of vipers. It's like, who warned you of the coming wrath? And he told us, like, you've got to repent. And I need to see. The Lord God needs to see evidence of that in a changed life. Because this isn't just washing off. Just dirt from your feet and from your body. It is a changed way of life for the Lord God is in charge and you're not. And you know that there were several groups that came to him asking, he's like, well, what should we do? He's like, if you got two coats, give the one who needs one. You know, and the soldiers came to him, I think probably like police. He's like, well, what should we do? He's like, don't complain about your pay. Like, what an interesting thing to say. And don't extort people. I believe there's one more. I can't remember what that was. It slips my mind. But anyway, we, we do. We thank God for John and what he did. And it was a baptism of repentance, full immersion into the Jordan River. Um, but there were limitations to it. If you guys can go ahead and turn to Matthew 11:11. 11, 11. 
Matthew 11, 11. guy's saying before Jesus speaking of John the Baptist, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And we also know that during that time, Elijah, one of his main ministries uh, was to turn the children of Israel, their heart, back to the living God and away from Baal. And to make his stand against Jezebel. So, you kind of see that here with Herodias, but I think that's a, uh, a discussion for another time. Like we're saying, there were limitations to John's uh, baptism. If you guys can also turn to Acts 19, Acts 19.1. Acts 19.1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance saying to the people that they should believe on him, that's Christ, who would come later after him, and on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized, this is fully immersed, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with new tongues and prophesied. We saw some people prophesying here today. We need more of that. So we see right there that as good as John the Baptist's baptism was, it was now superseded by Christian baptism, by what Jesus has set forth through his death, burial, and resurrection. And now John's baptism, it just it was one of those things that had just passed on, but we're still thankful for it. Christian baptism. So if you guys could turn to Matthew 3. I'm not trying to rush, but I feel like I kind of need to move. A little quicker than usual. Matthew 3.
This is going to be verse 13. And Jesus came from Galilee to John and to Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him. Then Jesus, when he had been baptized, came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Another writing this is not just alighting on him, but remaining on him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So we see here the beginning of Christian baptism. And it was attested to by, you see, all of the Godhead right there. The Holy Spirit in the form of the dove. God the Father speaking from heaven. Letting him know, it's like, this is my son. I am so well pleased in him. And of course, the son showing us how we should do things to fulfill all righteousness. And it is important. It's like we have to continue in what the Lord has done and what he showed us because everything that he said and everything he did was important. And we shouldn't overlook anything that he said. So if you could turn to Romans. This is concerning um, Jesus's talk with uh, John the Baptist when he said, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fill all righteousness. If you could turn to uh, Romans 5.1. Romans 5.1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And Jesus was raised for our justif- because of our justification. He rose again from the dead. And now we are clothed with his righteousness. We are made righteous because of what he did. Not our own righteousness. And it's so important to see here as well that when Jesus, when he was before the Sanhedrin and he was being judged by that court and that council of men and before Pontius Pilate, um, he was, they said he was guilty of all these things. Blasphemy. Saying he's going to destroy the temple. They had all these lying uh, witnesses come. And they put him to death. They found him guilty, both of those courts of law. But the father, on the third day, said, My son is not guilty. He never committed any sin at all. And I'm going to raise from the dead because I am overruling both of those courts. 
both of those courts, he struck them null. And he says, he's completely innocent. And everyone who believes in him now will become completely innocent. And you guys have heard that saying before concerning justification. Just as if I'd never sinned. We have to start believing these things. It's so important. You guys could turn to Luke 12.50. Luke We also know that the uh, being baptized into water and the Christian baptism, it's a commitment. It's a commitment to walking out this life that we've got in him. But it's a commitment that those things that have died when Jesus died on the cross and that old sin nature that was nailed to the cross, those things need to remain dead. Luke 12, verse 50 Jesus speaking, says, but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it's accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you, not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two, two against three, father will be divided against son, and son against father, mother against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And it is an absolute commitment. Like John Gibson was talking about, being born again is so important to be born again. But afterwards, you have to be baptized. Your life does not belong to you after you're baptized. And I remember hearing a story. I'm going to kind of go off a little bit. When I was probably a young teenager, um, when the, the Inuit, the um, Eskimos in the Arctic area were being um, receiving the gospel for the first time ever, that many of them were receiving it with gladness. They were just like they had never heard of this before, and they were just so happy, you know. The gospel is good news after all. And while they were receiving the Lord in just such joy and happiness because their sins were forgiven, there was a testimony by one of the elders. And I don't know if we know much about um, the stark north up there. A lot of what they do in order to survive is being able to hunt and um, you know, get walrus and all the other different um, types of food that are up there. And in their pagan culture, um, they used to pray that spirit guides would help guide them to, you know, have a successful kill or keep them safe. And so this elder, after he had gotten born again, he was telling the story about how his spirit guide came to him. And he confronted him and he said, if you get baptized tomorrow, 
is I will not be a part of your life anymore. And then he disappeared. And I don't know what you think of the supernatural. I completely do. Um, thankfully, the elder did. Because something does happen in the supernatural there. It's like he realized that now that he was dead, just like Christ was and stuff, he needed that proper burial. But he was saying goodbye to that old world as well. All the traditions, all the heathen things that they'd done before, and he was beginning his life anew. So I hadn't thought about that in <laughs> I don't know how long, but I thought it was a, an interesting uh, story to go along with this. Requirements for Christian baptism. You guys can turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, this is Jesus speaking after he had risen from the dead. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So we see now that is the pattern for us as believers. Not to just be born again, which is the beginning, but you need to be baptized in water. It is part of our belief. Jesus did it. We most certainly have to do it as well to fulfill all righteousness. Turn to Acts 2. Acts chapter 2. This is just after Pentecost when 120 were there and had just gotten filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the promise that was from the Father that he was going to send. And Peter had just gone out and give an incredible message. So, after they had heard, this is, let's go to verse 37. This is now when they had heard this. Now, this is the unconverted Jews. This is now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, and to your children, and to all who are far away, and as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse and crooked generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. 
And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So we see that it was probably just within that day that they, as soon as they received that word, they repented, they believed, they were baptized that day, maybe in a couple hours. Uh, I know there are some denominations. Um, they do like a six-week program to make sure. I'm not going to knock that, but I just, as far as my understanding of the scriptures, it's something that you do ASAP. You just get it done. There's an urgency to that, and I believe there's a reason why. If we could turn to Mark 16. No one's fingers are cramping up, are they? Mark 16. 15 through 16. This is having to do with faith, our belief, concern for the requirements for Christian baptism. Jesus speaking again and said to them, go into all the world. We just read that and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. The he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay the hands, their hands on the sick, and they will recover. And um, please, guys, you know, the whole thing about picking up serpents, do not test the Lord your God. I know there are still some sects that do that in order to... I guess work up their congregation, but um, you know we need to be like Jesus too. When the devil said, "Yeah, go ahead and jump off," you know, this temple, so you can have like a big audience. It's like we are not to put the Lord or God to the test. Don't be foolish. So, and finally, we see that one of the last requirements for Christian baptism is a good conscience towards God, and this is in First Peter three. <clears throat> First Peter, chapter three. Three verse, we'll start with 18. Peter writing, For Christ also suffered once for his sins, the just for the unjust. He suffered once for sins, excuse me, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient. And once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which, that is, a few, eight souls were saved through the water. 
This also is an antitype, which now saves us, namely baptism, not the removal of filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. So we see in the Old Testament, it shows a type that in the days of Noah, that 120 years and actually be, I think probably before that with Enoch, that he was prophesying that doom of that ancient world. Noah had received those instructions. I think he was 600 when the flood came. So he was 480 years old. Yes, I believe he was 480 years old. It was a different world back then, but we're not going to go into that right now. But for 120 years while he was building the ark, he was also a preacher of righteousness. And we know at the end, um, when finally all the animals were in the ark and his entire family, his three sons, their three wives, Noah and his wife, when they entered the ark, um, as Fred pointed out, it was God Almighty's hand that closed the door when the rain started. And rain was something that didn't exist back then, according to the word of God. And it was God's hand that shut it, because judgment had started. And they had been warned all that time. So as the ark, which is a representation of Jesus Christ, we are inside of him. And God's judgment is going to come. But in him, we are saved completely to the uttermost. And almost a year later, when Noah and the ark and his sons and all the animals were rested on the mountains of Ararat, a new world was there. That ancient world that I don't know how long it existed for, maybe around 2,000 years. But imagine people living, you know, 900 years in the technology and the wonders of science and education and all the, the great things and all the horrors. Too. They said the world was filled with violence. But in spite of all that, that ancient world was gone. And it is the same way, too, when you are baptized. It's not just you, you know, that dead part of you which goes down into the watery grave. It's that world as well. This world system that we're in right now. This world system which is inside the evil one. Whether it's politics, religion, education, the media, whatever else is going on, this entire world is in the power of the little God, the prince of this world. But it's a doomed system. It's not going to last forever. It's not going to become Star Trek or Star Wars and we're going to go into outer space. And No, it's not. It is going to be destroyed by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. His kingdom is coming. In this world, even though we are in the world, we are not of this world. And that's going to be a discussion for another time because I'm just going to get too carried away with it. But it is important to know that not only are we buried there, but our world, just like Noah's world, that ancient world, is gone forever. 
Don't want, don't go back to that world. It's gone. And even though it's like, well, it looks like it's not gone right now, but it's under the sentence of God. It's not going to last. So don't have cravings for the things of this world. We are inheriting something that's going to last forever. Forever and ever. It's going to keep getting better and greater and bigger and more wonderful. The end of this world is coming up. So teachings for baptisms, like I said, it didn't take long. If we can see it also in Acts 2.41. Actually, we don't have to turn there. Those people were baptized that day, as we saw. Uh, But you can go to Acts 8. Acts 8.36. I saw John Makinson the other day. He is looking happy. I mean, like, wow, dude, you're going to hurt your face, your spine so hard. <laughs> Gave me those really powerful John hugs. But it was just so good seeing him. And um, I look forward to sitting down and seeing how he's doing. I know he's working a lot on his house and stuff. But he says, I have been hearing really good things about what's going on at church. And he said he's just so excited. So he sends his loving and his blessings to you guys. Acts chapter 8, verse 36. Of course, this is Stephen, um, probably the second evangelist. I think the, the Samaritan woman probably was the first evangelist. But Acts 8.36, uh, this is the Ethiopian eunuch who was in charge of Queen Candace's uh, treasury in Ethiopia. And I believe that during... The time of Solomon, um, when Queen of Sheba came up, um, that they, she also brought back um, the Jewish religion to their people. And um, there is still, I guess, Jewish Ethiopians. And this looks like the first of the, the Ethiopian Christians. So the eunuch, uh, after reading in Isaiah, didn't really know what he was well, he was reading. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask of, of you, whom does the prophet say this of himself or some other man? And Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. And that's always important with, especially your calls an evangelist, preach Jesus. It says, now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, Here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and he baptized him. And now when he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so the eunuch saw him no more. And he went away rejoicing. So, well, what a send-off. Get ready for days like that too, guys. Greater things. Oh, oh, how exciting. So we see here, though, that it didn't take too long. By the time the Ethiopian eunuch heard it, 
probably a couple hours, he was baptized. And it was actually him that initiated it. Also in Acts 10. This is very controversial because we know that, as Peter said, it's like uh, Jews usually don't uh, converse or hang out with um, the Gentiles, but God has told me he's like he has no respect of persons. So he began to preach to them. I'm going to start with verse 44. It says, well, Peter was still speaking these words. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard him speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they all asked him to stay for a few days. So again, we see it's a quick thing. Don't wait too long. And then if we turn to Acts 16. This is where Paul and Silas were in jail. And um, recently, I don't know if you guys had heard that there was a fellow brother in the Lord uh, up in, I think it's Alberta, Canada, um, who was imprisoned because um, they would still meet together and they defied the orders of the government. And they didn't put just one row of fence around his church, but like two or three. It was like such overkill. But that's the way the enemy usually does things anyway. But I remember hearing that while he was in prison, that the even the inmates, when they were asking why he was in there, because inmates always want to know, why are you in here? You know, because they're, they're curious a lot. Um, they, he told them, it's like, because I, we're going to meet together. I'm going to preach the gospel, and we're going to pray to the Lord. And they said, brother, continue. Keep doing it. So, and here we see Paul and Silas being thrown in prison and beaten. And it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundation of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from, from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword about to kill himself. And that was just Roman rules. Like if you had a prisoner or someone you're watching and they escaped, it was your life for his. And Paul called out with a loud voice saying, do not harm yourself. We're all right here. And then he came for a light and ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You will be saved. You and your whole household. And he spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were at his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. So this is after midnight. It could have been like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. It got done. And when he brought them into his house, he set food before them. He rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. And that's such a, um, a word for husbands and fathers. That I know the world says that they are against the patriarchy and they are against the stupid, bumbling, fumbling men. But you are the head of the household. And this man had authority because of the, the man he was for his entire household to come to faith in Jesus Christ. So do not diminish your role. Know who you are in Christ. Who cares what the world thinks? Amen. If you turn to Romans 6. Here's some of the the spiritual implications of water baptism that identifies us with Jesus. Romans 6, 3 through 11. Or do you not know? And the longer I walk, when Paul asked that question, do you not know? I'd say a lot of Christians just don't. They don't get it. And there's some things that's the same way for me. Or do you not know, this is Romans 6.3, do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. And that's a powerful implication there. Um, don't go digging up that dead body. Let it stay. Because you are an absolute new creation in Jesus Christ. The old things have passed away. That old nature that we inherited from Adam when he rebelled, that it couldn't help but rebel, has been passed down to us. But now, through faith in Jesus Christ, what he did... Says now that can be put to death. You can't bring it to church. You can't teach it to memorize scriptures or send it to a Christian school. God's plan for that part of our life was execution. He cannot do anything with that. It is so corrupt. So, thank God that thing gets put to death. But now we are brand new creatures, just like Jesus is. 
as he is, we are now. And we have to start apprehending that and believing it and living it out. And he will be there to help us all along the way. But please, let that old life go. There's nothing there for you. Amen? All right. So we see right there that we are identified with his death, his burial, and in his resurrection. It says when we're baptized, we die. And it says when we're buried, we are resurrected. And I know we're going to be speaking on the resurrection in a couple of weeks, but I just kind of want to bring it up that our bodies are going to be physically resurrected too, the ones who have died. The ones that we've lost and have gone before us, uh, they're going to meet Jesus in the sky first with their resurrected bodies. And we, who are still alive, we're in a twinkling of eye, our bodies are going to be changed. We're going to have a body just like Jesus, a physical body. And we'll meet him up in the sky too. So... Even though it looks, you know, these bodies of dishonor and humiliation, it's like one day it's not going to be like that at all. It's going to be power in an eternal life that the Son of God gives us. And what that's going to be like, it's going to be exciting. I don't know. It's going to be. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go off track again, but. So anyway, we are dead to sin, but we're alive to Christ. If you turn to Colossians 2. Let's go ahead and skip that. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. <clears throat> if you turn to Romans uh, 1 4. Verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead and through whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations for his name. So again, we see that what a great salvation that we have, and that we now can start living a life through the Holy Spirit, and not of our own works, and it's a new life. So, again, I just want you, and I exhort you, I'm not at the point of uh, the Apostle Peter to command you. 
maybe Pete back there can command you. He's much taller than I am. That if you have not been water baptized and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you confess that with your mouth that he is Lord. And you want to be water baptized, um, come see me afterwards. Um, I've heard Parker Meadows is a little bit cold, but I am completely fine with getting in my uh, suit and staying warm and baptizing you down there at the creek. If you want to um, think of another place, I don't care if it's your bathtub or your pool or whatever it is. If you want to do that, um, just get a hold of me and we can do that. I know Chris Wilson, you baptized someone a week ago. And his, his pond's like uh, 32 and a half degrees Fahrenheit. So, and he went right in there. So, but it is important and it is part of who we are as believers. It is a part of our heritage in the Lord. It's something that Jesus himself did. Okay, this is Jesus who emptied himself um, of his divinity when he came down and became a baby. I mean, think how humbling that is. And then to be baptized. The things that he did out of humility because he loved the Father and wanted to obey him and to do his will. It's like, how much more us? So if you think, you need, if you haven't done that, I'm talking about full immersion in water. Um, just come see me afterwards. Um, Miriam, if you would come up. Um, I know she was wanting to pray for some families and some of the elders as well. If you have children that you need to pick up, and if you need to leave, if you can do that quietly, we have refreshments over on the side over here. Becky, you read my mind. You're coming up here. Great. Um, if you need to get your kids, you can go and do that right now, the fellowship outside or over on the side quietly. Um, we're going to be having a time of ministry here. Um, Prayers for your family. Prayers for healing. I heard a couple of weeks ago that there was actually some woman praying that they received the gift of speaking in tongues. It is happening. We're seeing little trickles of that. So get excited. For those of you who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, there are times for refreshing and restoring, and we need that. We need that, that, that power that comes from on high. We need it. So... Again, if you need ministry, please come up. We will pray for you. And if you need to, to go and fellowship over there, please do that. The Lord bless you and keep you. And um, love one another, just as he loved us.